the Mountain Bar at Bally's tweeted something using the hashtag saloon and chill. <laughs> I don't think they know what that phrase means. I think they might. Uh, it's not it would be it's not good, whatever it is. It'd be a weird place to hook up. Yeah. Don't do that. And welcome to episode 8 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz podcast. My name is Craig Stone. On the other end of the line is Kyle Askin. Howdy. We have lots of news to take care of before we can get into the main event, which is our trip report, because we were in Atlantic City a week ago, uh, which means that we are currently regretting that we are not in Atlantic City this week. The big news, obviously, is the takeover and the pilot bill. Uh, they are not calling it a takeover, Steve Sweeney and Chris Christie. They are calling it an intervention and a cooperative working agreement, whatever that means. Uh, let me tell you, it does not sound very cooperative the way it is written. So uh, they've actually published the draft. It's up. I'll link to it in the notes if you are a glutton for punishment. And basically... It gives the state five years of power over all of AC's finances. They can fire people. They can bust unions. Uh, they basically have the authority to make all kinds of decisions. And not just they, but it seems like they can pretty much just appoint one person who is at the head of this thing who can unilaterally make decisions. Uh, the one thing Atlantic City got was a year to monetize their uh, municipal water authority. We talked about that last episode. Um and, you know, when we last checked in, Kyle, you said you were very confused by all the cooperation and lack of outrage, and you were waiting for the other shoe to drop. And that seems to have happened. <laughs> it, it has dropped, and now I feel like all is right in the world. So, yeah, like I was saying last uh, week or two weeks ago, like I was saying last episode, it was really strange to me that everyone in Atlantic City seemed happy with what was going on and were seem very content with just the state taking them over. But what it seems like happened now is that I suspect Don Guardian's like, look, why don't we just go along with it until we actually see the bill, knowing full well that probably the bill would not be to his liking or their liking. And uh, now they're basically going nuclear. Yeah, so they held a press conference where Don Guardian and the city council... Um, basically trashed this thing and said, this isn't what we were told is going to happen. You're taking away our sovereignty. Uh, he called it a fascist dictatorship, which earned best quote ever, which earned him an editorial, uh, an editorial trashing him in the New York star ledger, uh, that I may link to, even though it's pretty stupid. Uh, and the city's officials really, the elected officials are being left with almost no authority in this. Uh, they don't even have any input on the potential uh, declaring of bankruptcy. Like the state is now handling that. Uh, this has also reintroduced the pilot, which is sort of when shit started to fall apart, right, was when Christie didn't sign the pilot bill. And then a few days later, we had the first press conference of them saying, like, oh, we're partnering, it's going to be great. And that is not how it appears to be going down. 
So Don Guardian is pissed. Uh, and as you said, this is more of what we were expecting, not so much the, oh, no, it's not a takeover, it's cooperation, all that stuff appears to just be BS. Yeah, um, so like I said, this is basically more in line of what I expected. It sounds like uh, the strategy that the city's going to take in fighting this is going to be basically uh, they're infringing upon our right to basically rule ourselves or elect the people that are going to run the city because basically it it seems like all of the elected people in Atlantic City are going to have no power and this one guy is going to have all the power, essentially. And so in looking into this, I I read um, back in 2009 after or towards the end of the state uh, occupation, I guess. I don't know. This back in at the end of the state running the city of Camden, uh, the Philadelphia Inquirer wrote a huge article sort of reviewing that and seeing how it went, because I think it'll be something that if this does pass, it'll, you know, there would be a lot of parallels drawn. And basically the paper's conclusion is that that was a total disaster. And uh, basically the state didn't fix the things that they said they were going to fix. Yeah, and of course the state is not is trying to spin that as that it wasn't that bad, right? Or that it was a positive. Yeah, <laughs> obviously, of correct. They're going to do that. Um, so uh, and 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 I mean, in well, maybe not in the state's defense, but you know, I think it seems like the general perception of Camden is that it is a lot better now than it was in either 2000 or even 2010. And the question is, is it better now because of kind of the state laid the groundwork for the years that they they ran it? Or is it because the state is finally out and that is why it's better? So. Right. Yeah. There's, we don't know enough about Camden to really know either way. Um, so, you know, obviously the, the bankruptcy threat is still there. Uh, the city council is blaming the state for not passing pilot and costing them a bunch of money. Or at least, I mean, at this point, it's delaying pilot, right? But not passing it right away is, seems to be delaying everything for the city's finances. And this just seems like a whole mess that's not going to get cleared up anytime soon. And it's not passed. It's still in, um, still in the process. So I'm sure we'll have more going forward. And I'll, I'll link to a bunch of stuff in the show notes if you want to read up on all this. But, uh, you know... A lot's going to change, and I'm sure a lot of it's going to make Don Guardian and the city council even more mad as we go on. Yeah, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there on this. So uh, did you see, um, I guess there's a couple of articles that have recently come out. So the New York Times wrote an article actually about Don Guardian and Atlantic City uh, a couple days ago. And then just this morning, or maybe late last night, uh, there was an NPR podcast that came out about uh, Atlantic City and what's both the history of it and what's going on. It was about 45 minutes. And it had uh, Amy Rosenberg, who's someone that we link to a lot, or at least I read a lot of her articles. Right. So they're both pretty interesting, and uh, they're definitely worth a read if you're or a read and or a listen if you're interested in it. 
yeah, so if you send those to me, I'll I'll add them to the list of many items that are going to be <laughs> about this in in the in the news section. Yep, I will do that. And I just a quick shout out to Amy Rosenberg, who if I know we talk about uh, Wayne Brady as the or um, Wayne Brady, Wayne Perry, <laughs> not Wayne Brady. <laughs> been watching too much whose line is it anyway i guess uh we call wayne perry the uh, hardest working man in atlantic city and i think uh, amy rosenberg is probably the hardest working woman in atlantic city because i i read a lot of articles that she writes for uh philly.com which is i believe the philadelphia inquirer yeah and lately christian hetrick has been all over the place also for the press of atlantic city so there's kind of the right. ap uh the inquirer and um the press of atlantic city all where, the triumvirate where we get our news. So, right. moving on, and also Amy not moving. Amy Rosenberg was a very early follower of our Twitter account. Oh, so nice! Shout out to her. <laughs> I think I'm pretty sure. I can't confirm or deny that. Uh, right. <laughs> so, uh, moving on to development news. Bart Blatstein has been named the redeveloper of the Garden Pier. Which, if you don't know what the Garden Pier is, I can hardly blame you. It is a small pier that houses the uh, New Jersey Historical uh, Museum and not much else. And the New Jersey Historical Museum, I've, I've always wanted to go to, but it was under construction at the Garden Pier for a long time. And then they opened, and then Sandy hit, and it was damaged, and I don't think they've ever reopened it. <laughs> so that pier is still, I st- think, still has storm damage. Uh, from now three years ago, I think. So they've decided to allow Blatstein to be the developer. And in this, they've also rescinded the development deal that they made with the South uh, in the South Inlet with M&J Urban Renewal, which is the one that pissed off Glenn Straub so much because he was saying, hey, this includes Revel. Like, this includes the land that's under Revel. So that deal is gone. Uh, so that's, is a whole lot of odd business going on. Um, I'm not really sure what to make of it. I kind of wonder if they wanted to give this to Blatstein and it was part of that, or, uh, apparently there are a few new council members who suddenly decided that they didn't want M and J, uh, who are very politically connected people <laughs> to have this power. So whatever went down, they rescinded it. So the Garden Pier is very close to Showboat, which Blatstein also obviously owns, but it's not directly across from it. It's it's directly across from the south end of the Rebel. So my initial reaction was, oh, they're going to do something awesome where they connect Showboat and the Garden Pier, but that doesn't really seem viable. Uh, so I'm interested to see exactly what... Um, Blatstein has planned for this area and also, you know, still waiting on what he has planned for Showboat. But for now, he's just kind of collecting various uh, real estate and it seems like he's going to be very impactful going forward in Atlantic City. Right. I mean, I think I think the big news to come out of this or sort of the thing that struck me the most is not necessarily that he bought this particular piece of property, but that he seems to be going or putting a lot of his fortunes going forward, uh, basically, it's basically gambling on Atlantic City. Uh, he just seems to be trying to buy a lot of the oceanfront, uh, like sort of on the boardwalk property. So 
he obviously seems to be bullish on the future of Atlantic City. Yeah, and he said that repeatedly, that he just really thinks that uh, with the right people doing the development, that Atlantic City is going to do really well in the future. Uh, the question is, we've seen the playground, <laughs> and so uh, hopefully his vision for that is not yet realized because it's been uh, – T-Street was certainly a disappointment when we went. Right. Uh and uh, just as an update, I know that we're not at our trip review yet, but we went back to the playground and we walked downstairs to see what it was like. And this was what, at like 930 at night or whatever. And it was closed. Yeah. Like the T Street portion was completely closed. Yeah. So I've heard that they're actually the next phase is actually to do something with a nightclub in there. And I don't know how that's related to T Street, if it's in addition or or what, but it seems like something's changing big time there i'm guessing by the summer we'll know a lot more because it was really a rush job to get it open for last summer um and they've you know they've named new partners they've named new food partners and nightlife partners and and so we'll see where that goes mm-hmm. so the, another thing skill gaming which has been big news in vegas um sort of in theory people have talked about it a lot but it hasn't really happened that much uh the state of new jersey has approved rules for skill gaming, which doesn't necessarily mean it's coming, but it means that it's allowed to come. And basically, if you don't know what skill gaming is, the thing they keep equating it to is like, it's like you're playing your cell phone game. It's like playing Candy Crush, but for money. And apparently you can either do this on your own, like you sit down at a machine like you normally would, and you press the levers and and how well you do in the game... Uh, whether it's the actual game or or if it's just a bonus game, determines how much money you get paid out. Or you can sit at some sort of bank of machines that are intertwined and you're playing against other people. So some of the rules are that uh, that they've changed are that right now normally slots cannot hold more than 17% of the total bet going into them. Like, they have to pay out 83%, I guess. That rule would be waived for skill-based machines. So that's one thing that doesn't sound so great. (laughs) Uh, Some other ones are that they have to prominently disclose that they are skill-based. They would have to prohibit um, the game becoming more or less difficult as, as... a player sort of establishes their performance, meaning like if you come in and the game realizes like, oh, actually you're really good at this, it can't ramp up the difficulty level. And you can also buy or randomly receive enhancements that would give you an advantage over another player as long as that is disclosed to the other players. That's just a weird rule. I have no idea what to make of that. It all sounds like something I don't want to do. I don't know where you are on skill-based gaming. Um, And of course, again, everybody's looking at this and saying, like, oh, the millennials are going to love this. They love playing their Candy Crush, right? So they're going to be all over this. So I don't know. It hasn't really taken off. We haven't seen it on the casino floors. But, you know, what do you think about skill-based gaming and and its potential to come to Atlantic City? Uh, um, So... I think a lot of people in the industry kind of think it's the future. And uh, just to respond to a couple of the points. So the removing the, you know, 83% payout, 
I think it's it's really hard to even know what the payout would be on a skill-based game because obviously it depends, right? Like, you know, the payout on a slot machine doesn't depend because you're just hitting a button and, you know, you can calculate the payout exactly because the computer decides how much you're going to win or lose or whatever. Uh, but if it's something that it's it's up to the player and, you know, the machine doesn't really have much say over it, then it's kind of hard to enforce. Like, I mean, I don't know how you would prove, like, what the payout would be. As as the player, um, you mean? Right, as the player. I mean, like, what if it's 50% for a month? I mean, it could just be that there were truly awful players playing at it or something. Yeah, I mean, it's just, like, a hard thing. To, so it makes sense to me that they'd remove that. Um. I mean, the thing I think about when I think about skill-based gaming or something that makes sense to me is I know that you and a couple other of my friends really loved the slot machine skee-ball. Oh, yeah. And, like, something that this would do would make it that so that during the skee-ball portion of skee-ball, which I guess was a bonus game in that slot machine, right? Right. You know, it, it actually would pay you out more credits depending on how well you did in the skee-ball portion. Right, because when you played skee-ball... First of all, the only it was very prominently displayed that how well you do in the skee ball portion has nothing to do with how much money you're going to make. Right, which didn't stop someone who was playing at the machine next to me from saying like, "What the hell? I had like whatever score. I had a thousand points and I got nothing. I got three hundred coins, three hundred credits, which is like three bucks." Um, but even though it says very clearly at the bottom of the screen that that is not relevant to your payout. Those machines are gone. Like, I haven't seen a skee-ball machine in a long time. I wish, I hope, maybe, that they'll bring it back as a skill-based game, because that was awesome. Like, that was my go-to slot machine. Um, Although, you know, it could just be that the displays had a lot of problems, because people kept hitting them and tapping on them, which will be another thing to look at with skill-based gaming. You know, if you're going to have... People just sitting on these things playing what is effectively Candy Crush all day. Are the machines really going to be able to take that for for a long time? I mean, that's going to be something for the casinos to consider, right? The upkeep has got to be higher. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see. So part of that, you bring up uh, the point about bonus games. If the skill-based portion is just a bonus game portion, like if you're just playing a normal slot and then there's a bonus game and that portion is skill-based, the 87% or the 83% rule is still in place. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, one of the things that I really wonder about this, and everybody, I think, sort of assumed like, oh, you know, if you can master a skill-based game, you might be able to make real money at you it. You might be an advantage player. Right. I'm not sure that that is the way that this is going to be. And I would even assume that it is not going to be good for the player. I mean, any development, when has any development in gambling in the last, I don't know, 30 years been advantageous for the player? So I think it's something they're going to advertise as being very good for the player. Like they're saying like, oh, if you learn to play this game, if you play this game for hours, you're going to see that you're getting better payouts on whatever it is, the bonus game or the game itself. They, it would not be hard to still set the sort of max that you're able to win at negative, right? <laughs> uh, so, or even maybe like there are just a few, there's a tiny percent of players that will be able to really master these things and make and get positive EV. But 99.9% of people are going to be losing money. Uh, so, so here's 
Uh, I guess a couple more things. So first, there is already a skill-based game that's played in all of the casinos in Atlantic City. Poker? Poker, right? Right. And, like, the casino doesn't care at all that you're making money playing poker because they're making money playing poker, too. Right. And how much money you make actually has absolutely no bearing on the casino. So I think when you were talking about uh, how you can pay to have an advantage over other players, I see that as kind of like a... You know, I don't know, some sort of a Clash of Clans game where you can pay for advantages and there are payouts based on whatever. I mean, not maybe not Clash of Clans, but a game like that where it's like eight people sitting around a machine or whatever doing something and you can pay for certain advantages if you want. And the, and the casino is basically taking a rake just right. as the host of the game. Correct. So, and, and there actually was, uh, I, I don't remember exactly when, but maybe a year ago. Uh, there was sort of like one of the first forays into skill-based gaming happened in Atlantic City uh, at the Borgata. They did a, basically it was a free throw contest for cash, essentially. And it was just this big free throw shooting contest that happened at Borgata. And I don't know, people said this is like, ah, it pretends things to come and skill-based gaming, blah, 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 blah. But the thing I didn't really get is that I mean, stuff like that happens all the time. You can go and, I don't know, play in any kind of tournament. Like, I mean, I have a background in chess, and, you know, you can go play in a chess tournament in any state in the nation. And that's basically skill-based gaming. Or in Atlantic City, you can go and play poker, and that's skill-based gaming. So, I don't know. I don't know exactly what differentiates skill-based gaming versus things that, like, chess or poker that are already around that you're allowed to do in actually many more states than have casinos. So the bigger difference to me is not that type of gaming where you're playing against other people, but where you're playing against you're the just, machine. Right, you're playing Guitar Hero or something, and your payout is based on how good you are at it. Right, because an article I read was saying that even if you're playing against, if you're, even if you're sitting at one of the banks of like eight machines where you can play against each other, you can also just play by yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's more where I was talking about where they could just set the ceiling as, you know, hey, this machine holds 10%, and you will never get higher than negative 10%. I mean, you as an individual might, but the mm-hmm. overall people will never get higher than that. Um, it's possible. But, you know, in that, there's obviously a lot of wiggle room for someone who's a dominant player to have positive games, I guess. Um, so it's it's tough. It's tough to know sort of where this is going to go, and, and it's all a lot of very much in the infancy and a lot of talk about where it could go and hypotheticals, and we haven't really seen it yet. Just to go back and clarify something I said, I said poker's available in every casino in Atlantic City. I know for a fact that's not true, but anyway. Who doesn't have a poker room? Uh, Caesars. Oh, you're right. Uh, And I don't think Resorts does either. Yes. And that's it. Everyone else does, I think. Yeah. Does does Golden Nugget? I don't know about that. Probably not. It's... Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't think so. I would guess no. Harris does, Borg does, uh, Bally's does in the Wild Wild West, uh, Trop does, and the Taj, I would guess, does, even though I haven't been there. In, yeah, they definitely do. About years. Yeah. But that was what they were famous for. Back when they were making money. Back when they were in Rounders. So, moving on again to some weirdness which normally I like Atlantic City weirdness, but I don't know what to make of this. So Ivan Kane, who 
is known in Atlantic City for uh, um, having the Royal Jelly Burlesque Club in Revel, is coming back to Atlantic City with Kiss Kiss A Go Go, a horribly named club that will be opening in Tropicana. Uh, the first thing that I thought of when I heard this was what club goer wants to tell their friends that they're heading to the Kiss Kiss A Go Go? Um, but I guess there have been a ton of terribly named clubs that have done just fine, so maybe that's not a, a determining factor. So they posted, uh, so there's Atlantic City Weekly posted an article about this that included a lot of quotes from Ivan Kane himself. It also had a video that is now gone, as you pointed out, and the video was really, really weird. Like, Everything is these lips that are bejeweled, and they're saying weird stuff, and it's supposed to be really sexy. It's just not. Uh, and and Ivan Kane keeps saying that this is going to be like Bangkok. I want to. He said, "I want to immerse our patrons like Bangkok immerses people walking down their streets." Which I've never been to Bangkok. I don't know anything about that. I guess there's a lot of neon. Um, there's going to be a big arched neon entryway, and when you go in. They're going to be like go-go dancers in cages, but they're not real cages. They're neon light cages. Um, the best line in the whole thing, he, he said they are dispassionate dancers who will gyrate on a centerpiece of 50, on a centerpiece 50-foot bar inside a state-of-the-art cages made from virtual light bars. I don't know what dispassionate dancers means. I mean, I'm just thinking of girls looking like they're just totally out of it and, like, not enjoying the experience, like when we were at the Las Vegas club in downtown Las Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'm assuming that it has some deeper meaning that I don't understand. I'm just not hip to the club scene. And it also said, behind them, a monstrous LED video wall will offer kaleidoscope, schizophrenic-like visuals including lip art featuring, featuring videos of women with sexy, cute, secret, flirty, smooching, kissing, lipstick, and bedazzled lips. Oh, God, that's so much bullshit. But I saw the video. It, I mean, that describes it. It was certainly lipstick and bedazzled lips, so that's accurate. All the other adjectives ahead of that, maybe not all that necessary, but... Um, Ivan Kane also said, gave us a little insight into his, uh, modus operandi, if that's the word, <laughs> you know, what drives him in his club, uh, club creation. So he said, the idea is to constantly fulfill that sexual fantasy people who go to nightclubs constantly seek. At other clubs, the DJ is always the center of attention. At my clubs... The patron is the center of attention. I want to inspire people to be as sexy as they want to be in an intimate nightclub experience. This, I have nothing to add to that. That's, that's the quote. It's a lot. Um, go be as sexy as you want to be at the nightclub. I, he seems like a weird dude. And that's, I think that's pretty much all I have to say about that. Apparently, Burlesque was, or uh, Royal Jelly was pretty cool. I think the age skewed very old. Like, I think 
the people who went to burlesque were not like the people who were going to Haven at Golden Nugget or Providence at Tropicana. And I don't, so I don't know if this is going to be a similar type of thing. Um, there's probably money to be made there anyway. So I don't know. Um, I don't know how this is going to pan out. Obviously, Tropicana already has other clubs, so this is going to enter into that, that mix. And it really seems like Tropicana is just going all out with club uh, as sort of being the club casino. Um, you know, we talked about Borgata opening their premier light club that's replacing Murmur and Mix. Is that the other one? Uh, and into one mega club. I mean, Tropicana is really going to have a bunch of options in one place. And, you know, they already had a pretty good, pretty good mix and of, of clubs. And now they're adding even more to that with, with the big name and Ivan Kane. Um, so I don't know if you care about this at all. <laughs> Uh, so I think that, that the main thing I took away from that is that I'm really old and none of that really means much to me. But I, I do have to say, just on your point where you said you don't know how well Ivan Kane did and you think it's skewed older, I, I think that's that's right. Uh, the really big club in Rebel was HQ, and that was the one that all of the young people loved. Yes. Apparently, HQ was actually enormously successful. Right, yeah. My understanding is HQ made plenty of money. But uh, the rest of Rebel, not so much. No. Uh, so, oh, so if you're wondering where this is, it's in the former Comedy Stop space. So the Comedy Stop, which has been there, I think, since the 80s, like that was around for a long time, um, is gone, and, and this is what's going in that space. So, I mean, my only other comment is the the last point where you're talking about, uh, I don't know, the sexual fantasy stuff. So driving into Atlantic City, I don't know if you saw this because you came down the the uh, Garden State Parkway, so you don't really get the full grandeur of the AC Expressway. No. But there's actually a uh, an advertisement for whatever the name of the, like, couple's erotic club or whatever in Atlantic City is on it. It just made me oh laugh. Oh, my God. So that reminded me of I've it. I've read a whole article about that place, and it's the weirdest <laughs> thing I've ever heard of in my life. It's super creepy-seeming. Was the billboard but, super uh, creepy? Um, let me... I could try to uh, go and, and find more out about it, but yeah, the billboard was weird. I mean, it talked about how it was like this couple's erotic club basically and i mean my understanding is that it made me laugh that people go there to bone like it's not right. like it's not like oh couples go there and they dance with other couples like no there's an upstairs with rooms and it is expected that you know you go in those rooms and that's where you know it's business time to quote flight of the concords so i don't know that's just that's weird and every nothing about it sounded good in the article that i read it quite odd but anyways so let's talk about our trip indeed by the way i looked it up while we were talking before and then i forgot to mention it but uh amy rosenberg followed us back in like the middle of december so oh, yes wow. she's been a very very long-term follower That's awesome. of our twitter i mean i don't know if she still follows us but she at least did at some point cool so thanks uh shout out to her so the trip we had, last episode, we talked about all these things we're going to do. We said we're going to go to Golden Nugget and get a chairman card. We're going to go to Hera's Diamond Lounge. We might do other Diamond Lounges on the boardwalk. 
We're definitely not going to gamble at Caesars. We're going to expand our our zone, our world of Atlantic City casinos beyond what we typically do, which involves the total rewards ecosystem. How do you think that went, Kyle? Uh, I had a great time on the trip, so... I mean, I'm not going to talk down about it. But yes, we, we didn't do a lot of the things that we said we were going to do, and we did do a lot of the things that we said we weren't going to do. So do you, do you think that's just a, like, we have some sort of gravitational pull toward the stuff that is familiar, or is it just like... Uh, that's not it at all, though, because we, we spent a bunch of time at TROP, which is something we don't usually do. We spent a bunch of time at resorts, which is something I think that we both never thought we were going to do on this trip, and we don't do, we haven't done in the past. So I don't think it's that. So let's let's just talk a little bit about sort of what we did do, and then we can right. get into sort of why those things happened. Um, so first of all, I just want to mention, it was crowded, right? Like, it was surprisingly crowded, yes. So, I mean, Friday, not so much. Even though Tropicana was sold out on Friday night, apparently. <laughs> Even though the casino was pretty empty. Yeah, uh, and and somebody at the roulette table was actually like, they tell me it's crowded. They tell me that the casino is full tonight, but where is everybody? Um, you know, because they show up later than 4 p.m. But Saturday, the cas- Saturday morning even, the casino was packed. The boardwalk was very crowded. Uh, one of the things that sort of disappointed me was that the boardwalk was really crowded, and yet all the shit on the boardwalk was closed. Like, all the, um, you know, the Dunkin' Donuts was closed. I need my donuts, and that's... Yeah, that is really the thing that disappointed you. Let's not say that everything being closed on the boardwalk was disappointing. It was that Dunkin' Donuts was closed on the boardwalk. Right, I mean, I didn't really need to buy, like, a bong from the head shop, but that I would have liked a donut. And instead, we ended up at resorts which was maybe fortuitous. Like, we kept walking past the Dunkin' Donuts that's on the boardwalk, and we ended up at resorts. Um, But, yeah, good crowd on the boardwalk. Ethan, I thought, um, I went to the playground after you left, and the playground was really crowded, even. Like, the main, the shopping floor, the bottom floor, was very crowded. So that was... The second floor? The second floor is the main shopping floor, right? Or maybe the bottom floor? No, the one you come in from the boardwalk. So the one that has, like... It's Sugar and Swarovski and... Well, there's a bunch of shops on the second floor, too. Those are the two main shopping floors. So that was... It was good to see the crowds. I wish more was open because it would have felt more like in-season, I guess, even though it was out-of-season. I mean, clearly... So I do... Just uh, before we move on, the irony of us ending up at resorts is, like, I was... I ended up waking up before... Craig did on Saturday morning and I was actually kind of hungry and I was just going to be like, look, I'm going to go to the Starbucks in the playground because we stayed at Caesars and I'm going to get food and then I'll be fine. But somehow the Starbucks at the playground opens at 11 a.m. because it's stupid. I mean, and that's basically what ended us ended up with us going on like a hunt for food. Right. So speaking of stuff that's closed, like what Starbucks opens at 11? Uh, the one in the playground. I, I'm so confused. Well, I think the whole playground doesn't open until then, uh, which is why. It's okay. still it's still kind of dumb. Yeah, like, no. Why even have a Starbucks then? No. Because people like going there in the morning. Nonsense. Um, I mean, during the, during the regular year, I mean, during the summer, it opens earlier, right? Like, we, def- we got breakfast there. It wasn't after 11, I don't think, in August. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah, probably. So, 
remember getting breakfast there, for sure. So setting the stage, we were there for one night. We stayed at Caesars. We got there, and you beat me there by probably almost two hours. No, I don't think so. I think it was an hour. But, so we were booked, an hour we were booked for a Temple Tower room. Yep. Which is the rooms that overlook the lobby, which I believe yep. is the old Howard Johnson's, which doesn't mean anything to anybody except that I just learned that. Anyways, um, but those rooms suck, and they're small. So when you checked in, we did not end up in the Temple Tower. You got upgraded. Yes, so I checked in since I got there so early. Um, I checked in at like 11.30 or something like that, and they just upgraded me to Centurion Tower, which was super. And because I am Diamond for the next one month, uh, I didn't have to pay the early check-in fee. I didn't have to pay the resort fee. I didn't have to pay the whatever, any fees, basically. So We got the upgraded room. The Centurion Tower, Centurion Tower is the nicest tower at Caesars. Um, the room was very nice. Mm-hmm. The, we had a nice view of the ocean and the Dennis Tower with the wild western facade. It was nice. And what we believe to be just the most money suite in all of Caesars. Right, yes. Directly to the left, as you looked out our window, it appeared to be a multi-floor. Like a six-floor suite? Like corner Because we were, state, we, were, we were way up there. We were on like the 41st, 41st yep. floor. So we were like, you know, three or four floors from the top. And it looked it looked like it was a gigantic suite on the corner of Caesars, which if there was going to be a big suite, it would be at the top of the Centurion Tower because it's the nicest tower and it's the newest tower. So it, it looked like probably the nicest suite probably that they have. Yeah, and on the corner overlooking the ocean. So a lot really made a lot of sense. Um, so that's something to aspire to down the line. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't really aspire to be a, uh, I don't know, I don't even know how much money you have to be, like a $10,000 a day gambler, like a loser. Probably even, yeah. Make that. Like theoretical $10,000. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah, correct, ADT of $10,000. Yeah. That's not what I want. So. I mean, I guess if I'm just filthy rich and it doesn't matter, then it's fine, but. So we did, we checked in, we played at Caesars very briefly after checking in, um, even though we said we weren't really going to play at Caesars, and then we headed to Tropicana. And Tropic- that was sort of our first moving in the direction of actually doing the things that we intended to do, that we talked about doing on the last uh, episode, which is we wanted to see the renovations at Tropicana. We wanted to sort of see if we liked it, because I have very favorable feelings toward Tropicana and felt like it would make a good home base. Um, so we headed over to Tropicana and played quite a bit there, right? So we played roulette, which was a mistake, as it typically is. <laughs> uh, we did not play any craps because the tables were pretty crowded. Uh, what else did we do with Tropicana? We played a bunch of uh, tiles for oh, a while. Oh, yeah, we did. We played tiles for quite a while. That was, I played... Um... I played a bunch in the high limit slot room for I don't know hour hour and a half I feel like, and we went to Chicky and Pete's, which is one of the things you said last episode that you wanted to do. Right. So, um, going down the list there, the renovations at Tropicana, the casino floor where the table games are is I think significantly nicer than it was before. Um, just 
it used to be kind of these off-white walls, and there was like a tree, like a singular sort of plant that was the decoration, and now it looks... The color scheme almost reminds me of the Golden Nugget, and I don't know, it was it was reasonably nice, I thought. it's What struck me about the Tropicana is that I felt like the layout was very odd, and I don't know why... You know, I've been there plenty of times. I don't know why it never really jumped out to me so much before, but the way there's sort of these corridors where you end up one corridor has a bunch of video poker and then you turn and there's the casino that seems like it's kind of behind everything and then there are other corridors. There's like the palm walk they call it, which is where the player club sort of check in, get your card. Uh, desk is where there are a bunch of slots and then there's another and then there are like two corridors split down the side there are other slots and you end up at the poker room on one of them and you end up at the casino on the other one and it's just really odd layout and even with the renovations of the main casino floor those areas still felt dated like they I don't know they look like they are like a movie set of a 1980s casino where up in the sconces, I guess they're called, up in the, the ceiling there are like neon spades and clubs and like backlit playing cards and stuff like that. And that just seems kind of cheap and crappy. And I didn't leave Trop with the feeling that, you know, that was where I wanted to have my home base going forward. I I think... The thing with Tropicana is, I, I think the whole time I've been going there, I I think Tropicana is actually fine. Um, but I think I mentioned a couple episodes ago that the first time, or the first time I ever went to Tropicana, they still had slot machines that did coin pay instead of like you know the vouchers that you're used to now, which was a bit behind the times then. And like still, this time I went, I I feel like you know. The the felt at the table where we were playing tiles was had like you know a bunch of cigarette burns <laughs> yeah. in it and like you know the the video poker machine I spent a bunch of time at was like a very very old school video poker machine and the the screen didn't even really work if you're trying to push it you had to do everything with the buttons so it's it's always been this thing where it, it seems like they're like five years behind where they should be so so and that's that's an interesting point because I feel like the casino looks like it should be nice. Like, the casino itself looks like it should be fairly nice. The quarter looks great. And then, I don't know, like, you actually get to the gaming areas, and there's something about it that just feels a little off, and maybe it is just the age of everything. Yeah, I mean, it's just... The the actual gaming areas themselves, I think, are, like, kind of iffy. I mean, the rest of Trop is very nice. Like, the quarter is very nice. Uh, I don't know what it's called, the marketplace. Like, I think that's, like, a nice, pretty nice area. It's a good place to grab some food. Um, but the actual gaming itself doesn't blow me away. So, so, you know, I've, I really pushed for Trap, obviously, right? And so I wondered after we left, um, we had gone with our respective girlfriends at the time, now wives, and I think a big part of, of why I like Trap so much is that when you stay there, I think you experience more of the nicer parts. Whereas we just went and gambled for four hours, so we experienced the parts that are not so great. So, you know, when you're spending more time at the quarter, or you're going to boogie nights, um, <laughs> you know, or you're 
wandering around the marketplace or whatever, you get more of a sense of like, oh, this is a really nice property. Whereas if you're just wandering around looking for tables and machines, you're in, unfortunately, the worst parts of the Tropicana. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that the rooms are perfectly nice, and I remember when we went, like, I thought our room was very nice, and they're apparently doing, you know, upgrading the other tower, which wasn't where we stayed last time, I think, and it'll be nice, but yeah, the, the gaming areas just don't blow me away. Yeah. Everything else about Tropicana is very nice, though, and something that we should say that, you know, I had a question about last time that I've seen, you know, I said I saw rumors online that they will match status from other casinos, I can confirm they did match my diamond card into a Tropicana gold card with the caveat. And I think this is similar to what Gold Nugget does, that I needed to earn 3,000 points in the next 60 days to keep the gold card for uh, the next year, else I lose it after two months. And, uh, you know, something else that I noticed... And this is a good thing about Caesars, as much as we like to crap on them. You know, I played $1 video poker in the High Limit Room, which is actually $5 a spin, for quite a while. And at the end of our gambling session, where after we did that, and we played $25 tiles for another at least two hours, which isn't, you know, the biggest, you know, it's not the most money for the casino in the world, but still... Um, I ended up with something like 450 tier credits, which is not as many as I would think. And the only reason I, I could see why is that they probably comp the 9-6 jacks or better, which is what I was playing at a lower rate than they comp most of their video poker, if I had to guess. And the nice thing about Caesars is they will do that as well on 9-6 video poker, but it says right on the machine what you're getting for the video poker machines that do not give the normal sort of $10 to one point that you're used to. Yeah. And I brought, and also just in general, the Caesars machines actually tell you exactly how many points you're earning with every spin, which is something that the other casinos we went to this trip do not. Yeah. The lack of transparency when you're used to that at Caesars, um, you know, as much as I talked about like, Oh, you know, a little too much where you stand and like, it feels too much like you're just plugging into an algorithm. Uh, it was it was a little weird to not know what you were earning while you were playing uh, at a machine, and so you know I played I played some slots I played some really terrible video poker I ended up with like 380 points I think which I don't really know what that means as far as right which is just something something which is a lot of the reason why because I know I was playing one dollar spin video poker while you were playing whatever quarter slots or quarter yeah quarter like quarter crappy video, video poker, poker yeah. <laughs> Right, and we we didn't end up with that big difference in points, which is why I believe that they probably actually do comp the nine six video poker like shit, right? Which is fine, but it's just I didn't know because it doesn't say on the machine and it doesn't tell you how many points you're earning, so it's kind of a mystery. Right, and so we so we earned those points. We it's probably a little too early to say what offers we're gonna get from Tropicana, you know, after four hours of being there, but. Um, we did get, we both got an email that was what, like $39 Sunday through Thursday. But I don't think that's any different than the offers we were. I mean, we were getting like what, $69 or something before. Right. I, yeah. I think I was getting $59 before, which concerns me that $39 is the new rate and that I'm not going to get any better than that. Um, but I guess, you know, we'll give it a few weeks and see if anything changes, but yeah, I, I, I'm willing to give it more time. I feel like I played enough there that I'll have a pretty decent idea 
like of how they're going to comp. I mean, I should at least get weeknight comps in March, I would think, for what I played. But I don't know. We'll see. I'll be curious. So another complaint that I had was that, you know, I'm used to the Tropicana being a not one of the fancier casinos <laughs> in Atlantic City, right? So I was expecting like a $5 craps table or a $10 blackjack table. And, and what we ended up playing was $25 tiles, $10 roulette. Um, there was a $10 blackjack table, but it was packed, obviously. Um, craps, I think, was 15 There may have been a 10 open, but... It was 10 I think. Um, but, but crowded. It was, cra- it was crowded. Uh, so, so the limits weren't super low in the middle of the day on a, on a Friday. Um, I'm assuming if you went on like a Wednesday, they would be lower, but you know, Friday at, at noon or one or whatever is not exactly peak time. And like we said, it wasn't that crowded. So I was a little disappointed by that. Um, we did play roulette, uh, which like we said, we lost very quickly. One thing that I, sort of the reason that I wanted to play roulette was that I learned that they have this deal where in Atlantic City, if you bet on even money or two-to-one bets, basically, like the black or the red or even odd, and zero or double zero hits, you get half your bet back. And that's unique to Atlantic City and and Europe. (laughs) Uh, Vegas doesn't offer that, and it makes it a much smaller house edge. Uh, You know, that only happened to me once, and it saved me like five bucks, so when you're losing on the vast majority of your spins, <laughs> it doesn't really help that much, but right. And that was, I mean, roulette was a disaster for both of yeah, us. We, so I'm sad that I let you talk me into playing. Yeah. It. Ne- never again. Well, never again. I say that and I'll talk more about how I played. It's not even fun though. It's just, ugh. <laughs> not a roulette fan. No, not a roulette fan. Uh, so we ate at Chickies and Pete's then at Trop, and I was, I was pretty satisfied with Chickies and Pete's, I gotta say. It was solid. I don't think... Everybody says the crab fries are, like, crack, right? Like, they say, this is what you go for. And we had a coupon. Like, we printed out a yeah. little coupon that was, like, get a free crab fries order with 20 bucks in food spending. We did that. The crab fries were pretty good. They're um, all right. I mean, I'm from Baltimore, so it's not like, you know, fries with crab seasoning is really going to blow me away. Right, and I thought the waitress did make it a point to tell us, like, there is no seafood on these fries. It's like, we know that. We know that they're, like, just Old Bay fries. Uh, I liked the highlight of Chickies and Pete's was that the waitress kept saying muse, which was great and authentic yeah, for a Philadelphia like restaurant. Like a nice girl from Philadelphia. Yeah. Like, are you are you guys ready to order? It's like, yes, perfect, thank you. Um, <laughs> this is what we want. So, so that, I, I mean, my I got like a roast beef sandwich, and it was delicious. Uh, you got a crab cake sandwich, even after saying like, obviously, you <laughs> after I made fun of you for, for it. Well, I panicked, it. yeah, and I got it, and it was fine. It was good. So that was. Although I do have to say, I think they gave me the wrong beer. But oh, they that's absolutely fine. gave me. It wasn't beer. worth complaining about beer's beer. So. No, they absolutely gave you the wrong beer. So yeah. Uh, so Chickies and Pete's big sports bar. Only the top floor is open. It's a pretty cool place. It's fine for like if you need a lunch or a quick dinner or whatever. Um, probably wouldn't go out of my way to go there again, but it was good for what it was. And then we decided we'd lost enough at Tropicana. I think we both got pretty well crushed there. And so we headed back over to check out the Mountain Bar. 
And what it, I mean, not the mountain bar, the new boardwalk bar. Yes, because uh, as if you listen to the last episode, you heard us talking about it was this new bar is supposed to have all these great cheap craft brews and we were both interested in it. So, uh, you know, anyway, we, we walk up and we look at all the taps and there are not really craft brews. It's all major beers that are from the biggest breweries. And it, it wasn't even just that. It was like the most generic ones too, because like you said last time, you know, you hoped it wasn't like things like Goose Island, which is owned by SAB Miller Crowers, but even Goose Island would be better than what they actually had, which was like Bud Miller. Dos Equis. Dos Equis, which is what we both got for six fifty a beer. And so I do have to say the uh, boardwalk bar experience was not everything we hoped it would be. No. Avoid would be my, my recommendation. Just go to the mountain bar and get a $3 Miller Lite or whatever. Right. And so I think we probably could have gotten a $3 Miller Lite there, but we got Dos Equis for $6.50. <laughs> Correct. Um, which, if you needed Dos Equis, go to the 5 o'clock somewhere bar at resorts where they are $3. Learn that. The hard way. Anyways, so it was dead. It came in a solo cup. It did. So that was one. It did come in a full pint solo cup. Um, yes. So we got a full pint of just. Saying. But it's not 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 worth no. it. Um, and it was empty. And the bartender was he was wearing I guess what you'd call a motorcycle vest. Which was what was in the press release. And, but it wasn't really what I was envisioning. No, you know, it wasn't some like Jack dude and like, you know, girls in scantily clad outfits like, no, no none of that. It, Don't. It wasn't what I thought it was. It was be. not Coyote Ugly. Knockoff. It was not, as I claimed last episode. No. Far from it. Uh, and it and it also it still felt like it was in the middle of this weird open space. And I guess they're thinking it's an inter- entertainment venue now and they've got a stage and that's where bands are going to play. But, you know, we there were no bands playing the the bartender made very certain to tell us that there was a DJ coming at nine and there was a band coming after that. We did not stick around, um, no. but it's a good decision not to stick around for one of us because <laughs> for, for, for yes, I should have stuck around and just chilled there, but you had other things going on. So we went to Bally's, um, which we said we were not going to spend much time at and wandered around and ended up, seeing a bank of video poker machines, jacks or better machines, that were 7-5 pay, meaning, what's that mean? Seven for a full Awful. Full, full house, house and five, five for flush. flush. Which is just horrible, because 9-6 is full pay. And, uh, but the progressive jackpot, so a typical machine would have a $1,000 royal flush payout. It was a progressive bank of machines where the jackpot was $2,500. Right. And I actually still haven't looked this up, though I said at the time my suspicion was it was probably just about 100% payout given the the progressive size, even though 7.5 is abysmal. Right. But I can't prove that. Right. So we figured we might as well sit down because there's $2,500 on the jackpot. And I even said, like, you really have to just ignore the jackpot, right? Like, because the odds you hit it are so low that – we're just going to sit here and get crushed by seven, five jacks or better. Um, so we're sitting there. I lost 40 bucks, you know, put in 20, lost it, put in 20, lost it, put in another 20, 
and hit three four of a kinds within maybe five minutes and that helped a lot so then i was up to 110 bucks all right if you want i can jump in now so i just got uh went to the wizard of odds and looked everything up with uh, a royal flush payout of 10,000 units instead of the usual 4,000, and a full house payout of 35 units instead of the usual 45, and flush of 25 instead of the usual 30, the return is 99.7%. Oh, wow. So I think I was I was pretty much dead on in my assessment that it was pretty close to 100%. Nice. So I would have thought it was over, but I was wrong. Um, no, it, it really does hurt you. It's like that the full house part oh, yeah. is what, what kills you there. Yeah, it crushes you. Um Full House is, were, is a surprisingly high percentage of your return. So anyways, I hit four no. of kinds. They paid fine. Um, that was that was nice. But then I just started hitting a, a huge cold streak and lost $80 of that. And I was down to 30 bucks. And, you know, we had kind of been nudging each other when we got three to a royal to just be like, hey, you might want to see this, right? And I think I was even nudging you when I had, like, two to Royal, just to be like, this is it. This is when it's going to happen. Um, but at this point, I had three to a Royal diamonds, and I didn't even bother because I had lost 80 bucks in a few minutes, and I was like, this sucks. And I just hit the button, and bam, bam, up comes the Royal Flush. You know, no sirens go off, no sort of whirring sounds, and it even takes a minute for the little thing to come up and say, hand pay, 2500 bucks. And I was just kind of in shock. Like, I didn't stand up and celebrate you know, I was, I was at MGM Grand once where someone hit a $5,000 jackpot on a slot machine and they were like, $5,000 and yelling. Like, there was none of that. I just kind of sat there and was like, oh, cool, you know, 2500 bucks. Like, that's really crazy that I hit it because I know the odds are insanely low. Um, but, you know, $2,500 hand pay, Royal Flush, my first Royal Flush that I've ever gotten, including on my phone, on videopoker.com, um, you know, just sitting there on my phone where I've played tens of thousands of hands have never hit a Royal Flush, and finally hit it on a $2,500 jackpot. So that was totally awesome. Um, and you had lost... What did you end up losing on those otherwise terrible machines? Do you know? Um, No, I don't remember. It wasn't... I mean, it was only a quarter, so I don't think it was that much. A couple hundred, maybe. Right, so on a, on a $1.25 bet, twenty five seventy, I think, was the final payout. Um, tipped the hand pay, the person who comes and does the hand pay, uh, seven, just the 70 on the end of that. And, uh, I don't know if that, what the etiquette is there. I have no idea. I've never gotten a hand pay before. Um, so if you haven't gotten a hand pay, basically they come, they take your ID, they leave for 10 minutes while you're sitting there staring at your, at your machine that says hand pay, hand pay, hand pay. And then they come back and take your social security number and give you some printed out tax forms. Um, so I have that to look forward to in April of 2017. Uh, we'll hope I remember that a year from now. Um, but from there we left and headed to figured we needed to celebrate, right? So, um, I never got the bourbon that I ordered at the machine, even though they came and said, yes, yeah, still. The funny thing is, yeah, when the hand pay comes, they say, like, do you still want the drink that is on order? <laughs> well, it's because she had to take your card out and put her card uh, in to right. do the hand pay. Okay. Um, you were getting drinks significantly faster than I was at those machines, by the way. Yeah, and I got the uh, premium drinks for free, yeah. and you did not. Yeah. You got only real drinks. 
for free. Yeah, so diamond status perks, now you know. Like, we would enter a drink, like, 30 seconds apart, and his would come, and mine would still say, your drink, your order has been placed for, like, 10 or 15 minutes after that. But, anyways. Another nice thing I have to say while we're on the subject about Caesar's properties compared to our experience at Trop is that they are, A, having the drink order system at the slot machine, I think is great. I love it. Um, I think it saves a lot of time. And B, like in general, the drink service tends to be very good, where at TROP, it was very, very bad. Yeah, we sat at that Pie tiles table. table, $25 tiles table for what, an hour and a half? An, an hour, yeah, at least before the, the we actually yelled at the waitress and got her to come over. <laughs> yeah. like she, would have ne- she would have never come to us if we didn't actually go out and make her come when she was walking around. Yeah, the dealer, yeah, the dealer, like, the dealer actually, yeah. <laughs> and then even when she came, the dealer was like, these guys have been here forever. They've been yelling. <laughs> so that was funny, but also annoying. Um, yes. So yeah, drink service at Caesars Properties is uh, certainly blows away Tropicana. All right, sorry. Continue your story. So, so we cashed out and decided we needed to have some dinner because it was 8.30 or something like that. And then... We headed not to any of the places we talked about. We didn't go to Tony's Baltimore Grill or Chef Vola's or any of that stuff. Not that we could have gotten into Chef Vola's at that point. Um, even if you flash your hand pay, I don't think you're getting into Chef Vola's. So we do what we typically do and walked over to the Peter Shops, sorry, the playground, and figured out where in the playground we wanted to go <laughs> and ended up at the Continental which was fantastic, I thought. It was very good. We probably ordered one dish too many, but it was very good. Yeah, um, and I had never been to the Continental, so I didn't, you know, I typically end up at Suzai, the sushi place. Um, You know, obviously we went to Trinity many times, which is closed and reopened in some sham version of itself. Uh, I've been to Continental a few times, so. But yeah, everything we got was really good. The wasabi mashed potatoes were incredible. Um... You know, I wouldn't have thought mashed potatoes could be such a sort of difference maker in the meal, but they were amazing. Um, those chicken skewers, Thai chicken skewers, were also really, really incredible. So the food was really good. Um, obviously, everything tastes better when you've just hit a jackpot. Uh, and then what did we do? We, did, we didn't call it a night after that, did we? Oh, we went back and played the... We played the uh, double uh, double Joker Wild, right? Right, which for a while. which you mentioned on the last episode you found on VPFree two dot com um, as being a very highly high high EV game. Yeah. Although we don't and know that, how to play that, it. <laughs> yeah, I had no idea how to play it. And the reason that that was hot, so high EV is basically because of the reason that the game in Valley was so high EV because the the uh, jackpot was so high. It was it was also twenty five hundred dollars there. Yeah, it was, de- yeah, it was definitely over $2,000, so we sat down there for a little while and I think lost some more money. Tried to learn how to play, uh, failed. Oh, and we also went and played some craps and, and just had a... You had some good rolls in craps, and I crapped out all three times I got the dice. That's what the people like. Yeah, no points made by me. Um, yeah. So, you know, you lose a couple hundred bucks there, but it's like, eh, whatever. I just made 2500 bucks. doesn't matter. Um... <laughs> So after losing some more money, we called it a night. Um, I got some gelato from the lobby in Caesars and ate that you did. while playing some Oons music on my phone while you tried to go to bed. <laughs> I think I still fell asleep. I, I don't think you were done doing whatever you were doing when I 
fell asleep. Yeah, I don't know. But I can sleep through anything. So. Uh, so then we woke up the next day not feeling so hot because of drinking. Oh, something to get, by the way, at the, at Continental. the Continental was that cocktail I got that I can't remember the name of. <laughs> Great story. Awesome. Uh, That's what the people want to hear. Yeah. Well, I should just edit that out. <laughs> so the the Continental, though, has very good cocktails, and you should get them. <laughs> you should absolutely keep them for him. <laughs> oh, man. So there's one that starts with a T, I think, maybe. <laughs> right? Oh, man. That sucks. It was a good cocktail, though. It had Maker's Mark in it and some other stuff. Great story. So anyways, get the cocktails. I had beer. It was good. Yeah. They have a good beer selection. Um, so we woke up the next day and like we mentioned, headed out, needed food. You played craps in the morning. I played craps in the morning. While I got showered and and tried to shake off my minor hangover. No, you didn't get showered until after we got back from resorts. Yeah. You were just laying in bed. Oh yeah, I was laying in bed trying to shake off my hangover. Um, so, okay. So before I played craps, before you came down, I played just briefly because I'm like, eh, there's no reason not to. I played at one of the uh, video blackjack machines. With sort of the the busty fake video dealers, because I'm like, eh, whatever, you know, no reason not to. It's cheaper and doesn't really matter to me. I don't care. But while I was playing it, I got a blackjack, and you know, the rules are actually like fairly favorable for the player on these things because it's like you don't actually have to pay an employee if you're the casino to run it because it's just a computer. Yeah, like you know they. The house always stands on all 17s, which unlike everywhere else where there's actually a dealer where the house hits on soft 17. So anyway, I was playing it and I got a blackjack and I got paid six to five, which I had no idea was going to happen. And then I got up immediately and left. Yeah, that's awful. Um, Which, interestingly, I ended up playing video roulette a decent amount. So... Always check the payouts before you play that shit. Right. So I, I ended up playing video roulette a decent amount, which is reasonably fun because it's like 50 cent minimum, like $3 minimum on the outside and, and 50 cent minimum on the inside bets. So it's just a really slow burn. But they do not have that partial bet return, which I wasn't shocked by at all. I would have been way more shocked by the 6-5. Um, so, so you played that. You played some craps and had some pretty good rolls in one you know, I did. I think you made what? What did we figure out? You made four five, or five, five points. points. Um, well, yeah, you, you. I hit the first. My first two rolls were, you know, I uh, I rolled out, made like set four as the point, and then I made a four on the next roll. I came out and set five as yeah. the point, and I made five at, with the next roll. So that was a good four rolls, where I, you know, setting a point, making it, setting a point, making it. But I hit five five numbers in that roll, including four different numbers for the people, which was no one who made the fire bet. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. So nobody had bet the fire bet, and they would have won whatever it is, um, twenty four yeah. to one or something on that. I don't know. Uh, four numbers is pretty good. So then we walked up and said we need food. So we said let's just turn and head north and walk up the boardwalk. Dunkin' Donuts was close to my dismay, and we ended up at resorts. Um, and so resorts, I've said, like I've said to myself many times, I should check out resorts. And I've been to, like our friend Dave's a huge Jimmy Buffett fan. And so I've been to the Land Shark Bar and Grill, which is kind of a glorified snack stand. Um, like it's sit down, it has waiters, but it, they're serving like chicken fingers and stuff. Um, 
and I've walked around in resorts, and I've gone in a few times, and every time I've gone, I've kind of said, oh, yeah, I've meant to check this place out, and then ten minutes later, I'm like, this is not for me, and left. Um, I did actually go to dinner there once with my wife at Capriccio, which was a really good Italian restaurant food-wise, and it looks out over, right out over onto the ocean, which is really cool. The decor is just super dated, like 70s. Um, I don't think it's been updated since the place opened, uh, but otherwise good food. But we haven't spent much time at resorts, and we went into no. resorts, and we made a beeline to the food court, and the whole time I was kind of thinking, like, man, this place is depressing. At 10 in the morning, or even before, I think, 10 in the morning. And I got my Dunkin' Donuts. You got Ruby's Dinette uh, breakfast sandwich. We sat there for a little bit and ate our food. It was pretty solid. And as we were heading out of the casino, I spotted Barnyard Poker. Which is what I believe you mentioned last episode, something you really wanted to play. Yeah, so I really wanted to play Barnyard Poker. I mentioned it. I linked to the videopoker.com Barnyard Poker in the show notes. Saw it, sat down, played it. So when you're sitting on your phone and you're playing Barnard Poker and you can just wait for the multipliers to rack up and hang out until you hit something decent with those multipliers, it's fun because you're like, when is that sort of big payout going to happen? When you're playing for real money and the multipliers come and you get like 2, 4, 6, 8, 10 all offsuit, it's much more frustrating. <laughs> and so I never hit like anything on the multipliers. I, and it just sucked. And I lost my 40 bucks pretty quick. And I was kind of like, this is dumb. And and I was ready to leave resorts at that point. And you were playing something else. You were playing Royal Hunt, right? Right, which was a game I'd never heard of. But the only reason I sat down at it was because it was right next to you were playing Barnier Poker. I'm like, eh, we'll see what this you know shitty game is. And so what it basically is, is it's normal, uh, you know, jacks are better. But when you get at least two cards in a royal flush, basically you end up playing nine hands instead of three. So it's normal triple play, uh, jacks are better. And so you end up playing nine hands instead of three. And basically with each card you hit, it's like three, three, and three, and... So if you have at least two cards of a royal in your first three, you get to play the second three. And then for every card you get in the second three, the further advances you on a royal, you get that many cards in the third three. So it's pretty interesting. It's obviously set up so that you hit more royals. That's why it's called Royal Hunt. But I had a good time playing it. And I think the big difference between that and Barnyard Poker is that sort of Royal Hunt Poker... While it may be sort of a similar EV of a game as Barnyard Poker, I feel like the variance is way lower, so it ends up being a better experience for the player because it's more of like a slow draw rather than Barnyard Poker where you lose all your money unless you hit a good hand when you have a huge multiplier and then you make a zillion dollars. Right, and and so Royal Hunt is also on videopoker.com, and I'm going to have to try try it out and see how I like it, but um, I think I'm probably done with Barnyard Poker. <laughs> you know, ended up only spending maybe half an hour at resorts, Walked back to Caesars, got cleaned up, um, checked out of our room, uh, and wondered sort of what to do with our final three, four hours at in Atlantic City. And you said, "I kind of want to go back to resorts." And and even though you know I had sort of I had said like, uh, you know, 
even when we were sitting at resorts, I was like, this is dumb. And I even mentioned, like, uh, any casino where the food court is just clearly visible from the casino floor just seems crappy to me, uh, right? Like Monte Carlo, I mentioned in Vegas, uh, you sit at a lot of the machines and you can see a McDonald's. Um, that always seems off-putting. But when you said, like, I kind of want to go back to resorts, I was like, yeah, I kind of want to go back to resorts too. <laughs> <laughs> so we walked back up to resorts and played some table games, played – you played more Royal Hunt. I, for some reason, played more Barnard Poker, and it still sucked. Um, and what else? We played some tiles. We pl- I played some yeah. video roulette, which I – I think I ended up losing 20 bucks on playing for like an hour. Because, you know, when you're playing 50 cents and you're just spreading coins everywhere, uh, you don't lose very fast. And one of the cool things about Video Roulette, I will say, is that when you make bets, it shows you the number, um, you know, the felt basically, but it puts up what you'll win if the number hits. So even, you know, if you bet even, if you bet three bucks on even, it puts six dollars on all the even numbers so you know that when it hits you're getting six dollars back uh, so that's kind of cool and it has the repeat bet option and all that stuff so it's you know in a way it's kind of like playing on your phone but it actually spins a real wheel i i feel like i sound like an idiot defending or, or supporting video roulette but I, I don't know i didn't i enjoyed it enough and i'd probably play it again um i would not play <laughs> it's roulette it's an f minus yeah it was fine so no uh, you clearly disagree. Yep. I'll certainly play that before I play regular roulette again, because I just got massacred in regular regular roulette. Uh, Never again will I play roulette with you. <laughs> so, so we played that. We played. I played that. You, we played some tiles, and I thought you know the dealers were great. The, yeah, the dealers were very nice. The pit boss was friendly. Pit boss was very friendly. And, and that's like a big thing because we've had experiences in the past with like, like if the dealers aren't really pleasant or like the pit boss isn't really pleasant, it's like, why should we even be there? Because it's like, you know, we're giving you money and like the least you can do is be polite and engaging. Right. We play, we ended up playing there pretty much until we left, right? Yep. And the question that I have for you is, do we love resorts now? I enjoyed my resorts experience. I mean, so it's it's well documented, if not on the podcast, and at least between our friends, that I really like, uh, you know, quote unquote shitty casinos, <laughs> and where it's like, I don't know, it's about gambling because at the end of the day, like, I really like a lot of things about Atlantic City, but it's kind of like, you know, I tend to like the slightly older casinos that are just you know, based around gambling. And that's kind of what resorts is, I feel like. Uh, and that's why the, a lot of the reason I think I really liked Showboat when it was still open. And it's a lot of the reason, honestly, I think I like Borgata because I think that's also a lot about gambling, even though it seems like they're kind of trying to change that up a little bit as they go forward. But I really enjoyed my time in resorts. I also had a great time. And I think to me, it just really reminded me of Atlantic Club, which... Yes. Before, I thought... Atlantic Club, before the death of Atlantic Club, that was a great casino to me. It was – I thought the layout was great. Um, You know, it was easy to navigate the casino floor. They actually had relatively new machines. The dealers, again, all friendly, low limits everywhere you went. Um, 
so one of the things I think one of the big things that made me sort of think of the Atlantic Club beyond sort of the clientele <laughs> in that it's a lot of old people was that a couple years ago resorts really sort of tried to do this 20s theme and capitalize on Boardwalk Empire and make their cocktail waitresses wear these flapper dresses and all this bullshit and they ended up getting sued but that's a whole other story um, and they made the casino really dark and it didn't feel very inviting um, and and they've brightened up the casino a lot I think maybe my memory is just totally faulty but it seems to me much, much brighter in there than it was. Not as bright as, like, Shobo was, but pretty bright. And the layout's, again, super convenient. It's basically a big rectangle. <laughs> like, you walk in, it's a big rectangle, it goes to the back, and at the back end of it is the food court. And that's pretty much it. I, you know, the, the table games are kind of in the middle, unlike Tropicana, where the table games are way in the back, so you feel like you're in the middle of the action when you're playing the table games, and you're kind of soaking it all, soaking in the, the casino floor atmosphere. And I just really enjoyed it. Like, I really had a good time. Um, I could totally see myself staying there and spending a lot of time there if we get decent offers. I could even see myself booking the better-than-free offer that they sent at, that they send out. Um, you know, even before we played there, we would get this offer where it's like $49 bucks, um, Sunday through Thursday, $25 slot play, $25 food credit. They call it better-than-free, but... It ignores the $10 resort fee, <laughs> so it's not really better than free, but it's still, you know, insanely cheap. Um, but I would like to spend some more time there. I, You know, I don't think their restaurant offerings are the greatest, although Capriccio is good. They have Gallagher's Steakhouse. They have a Gallagher's Burger Bar that I wouldn't mind trying. But, as you know, like you're saying, if you just want to gamble, low-key place, low limits, it was a good, good time. So, so for me, I know you were shitting on the uh, the food court in the middle of the casino, but like a lot of my absolute favorite places have like the kind of food courts with like the fast casual food, right? The reason I love Harrah's in Las Vegas so much isn't because they have a food court; it's because right next door there's a Chipotle that I have, go to at least two or three times every time I go to Vegas. Uh, you know, there, a lot of the reason I love the Borg so much is because they do have an actual food court with kind of the fast casual food, and so I really enjoyed my. The uh, the Harris food court or the uh, resorts food court, and I think that's something that is actually a plus for me. Like the ability to get not awful food quickly right. and get quickly back because I right because I'm there to gamble, and you know if I can spend 25 minutes eating something that's like not McDonald's, that's good. Yeah, and. It's interesting because it's not you know we talk about Tropicana getting clubs and Borgata has you know their new club. Resorts is not a club scene, <laughs> and maybe that's part of of why I like it is that the clientele reflects that. You know, that's that's something to consider also. The one thing about resorts that I have to say on the downside is it's something I mentioned, and it's actually something that we talked about in early episodes. The uh, the monthly uh, revenue reports that come out from the state of New Jersey, and actually this month, her, or, uh, resorts finished lower than even the Taj. And something that we talked about off the air last episode was me saying, like, are we concerned that do, do we think that resorts and Taj are both going to shut down in 2016? And it, it seems pretty possible. So that's the one downside of resorts is, I, you know, if you don't really know if it's going to be there in a year. 
that makes people less likely to want to play there. Yeah, and even if it's not 2016, you know, even if it's 2017, 2018, or even if, you know, even if it hangs out, there's always that sort of doubt of, you know, I'm accruing points and loyalty at some place that has a much more tenuous future than Caesars or Harrah's or Borgata. Um, so that's, you know, that plays into the equation. Um, yeah. Like, if you were a big Revel player, <laughs> right, like, you'd be pretty annoyed that you lost your, your Revel points. I don't know if there right. were any big Revel players, but... I think this is the advice we give, though, to people, and, like, I think that at the end of the day, like, you should just play where you want to play, and, like, honestly, like, if you go chasing comps, like, you're going to end up more unhappy than if you don't, I think. Yeah. Which is why, I mean, we, I think we both certainly don't really chase comps that much, which is why we ended up playing at three different casinos again on this trip. Yeah, and, and right now, you know, where I want to play seemingly is resorts. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'll, I will probably go out of my way to go there next next time I'm in town. Yeah, well, we'll see. I wouldn't be surprised if next time we went, we, it was like a, more of a marina trip, but I, I, I enjoyed my time there. It, it seemed to check all the boxes of the casinos I like. And like I said, like my Las Vegas casino of choice is Harrah's. And I think that if you see Harrah's, if you see like, you know, a place like Atlanta Club or Showboat, which I love both of them, like resorts kind of is in that same class. Yeah, I'd certainly say if you like Showboat and if you like resorts, which I, you know, the more I think about it, the more I think Showboat was like my favorite <laughs> casino before it closed. Uh my favorite AC casino before it closed. I th- I think you'll probably like resorts the way it's set up now. Um, so then, so we that was it. We left. Well, you left, and I ended up running through the outlets for twenty minutes and buying socks and a shirt from Van Heusen. But you know, nobody cares about that. <laughs> and then you know, we left, and that was it. So that was our Atlantic City trip until next time. And you know, obviously, sad to be done with our trip and not have another one planned we'll have to rectify that fairly soon uh yeah. by planning another trip uh hopefully i think uh hopefully yeah like i i told you before we started i mean hopefully april or may we can try to find a night to do it maybe hopefully we can get more of our friends to go so it's not just me and you but if they won't go then that's fine too yeah and hopefully we'll start to see some uh offers from resorts in, in tropicana well but, I mean, I certainly played a lot more at Trop than I did at Resorts, so if I don't get much from Resorts, I won't really be shocked, but we'll see. Yeah, and at the end of the day, we talked about not playing at Caesars and Valleys that much, and I think I got one of my, it was I think it was one of my top two or three trips to Atlantic City ever in terms of tier credits earned at Total Rewards. So any talk that I made about, like, we're just going to stay at, at Caesars and not play at Caesars, like, I made a liar out of myself. I absolutely played a ton. <laughs> At Caesars. Well, so. so, I mean, we had some more stuff we were going to talk about, but we have run way, way over. So uh, I guess we should probably uh, wrap it up. Yeah, so we have a little bit to talk about in the future um, about some Atlantic City-specific rules. I mentioned the roulette partial payback, but, uh, <clears throat> we'll have, we'll, you know, we can do some more research on that and actually do a more fleshed-out uh, discussion. But um, one of our listeners, Ed, wrote us just mentioning a few of the the unique rules in Atlantic city. So I just want to thank Ed for reaching out. Um, I also actually want to thank Mike who we mentioned, who's reached out a few times. Mike is actually going to Atlantic city tomorrow. Uh, Eric who reached out via email, Steve, who obviously has reached out many times. Um, 
And also, you know, the people who have reviewed us on iTunes, we have several iTunes reviews. Um, Vegas Fanboy, who has a Vegas podcast, reviewed us on iTunes and also has uh, mentioned us on Twitter a couple times. And so I just want to thank all the people who are listening and sort of spreading the word and giving reviews and, and mentioning us on Twitter because all that really helps people sort of learn about us. Um, Ed actually, you know, posted about us on Wizard of Vegas in their Atlantic City section. He posted about us on TripAdvisor. So, you know, just thanks a lot for yep. that. I mean, and it really, like, it sounds lame, but when I get an email to the to the do for a win at Gmail, I just feel really proud that, you know, somebody's listening and, and taking the time to send an email and, and is thinking about this and, you know, because it's easy to sort of think that we're thinking about this in a vacuum and, and no one's around to hear it or care, but um, definitely, like, the, the feedback has been awesome. The emails have been awesome. So, so keep them coming for sure. I think that's pretty much it. Uh, thanks again for listening. Uh, you can find our episodes at doforawin.com. You can also use our contact form there or comment directly on the podcast post. You can find us on iTunes by searching for Do For A Win or for Atlantic City. We're the first uh, listing for shows under Atlantic City when you do that search. We're on Twitter at Do For A Win. We are also on Instagram and Periscope. If you followed any of my terrible walking down the boardwalk periscopes <laughs> while we were, they were pretty City. bad. Luckily they're gone by now. So no one will be any of the wiser. Yes. Yeah. They disappeared. Uh, we also have a Snapchat, but we don't know how to use that yet. And uh, yes, I, I do. I have actually, you know, Craig is our arbiter of social media, but I set up the do for a win Snapchat, which right now I just have pictures of my kid on and I don't use it for anything dealing with, uh, do for a win at all. But if people start following me, then maybe I'll change it up. So, yeah, I mean, I, I downloaded Snapchat for myself, and I just couldn't figure it out. So, um, It's a lot of swiping. Maybe someday I'll learn the Snapchat. Uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool. I like cool. it. Uh, maybe I'll give it another try. So email us, win at gmail.com. Um, thanks again for listening, and two weeks from now we'll be back with more Atlantic City news. Yeah, thanks, everyone. We'll talk to you in a couple weeks. What was that called? You so you said triumph. <laughs> you 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 cannot cut that out. You have to keep. Oh it yeah, I'll definitely keep it. So you said triumvirate, and that reminded me of the cocktail.